Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here on this uh, third Sunday in Advent. Uh, we stood like one week away from Christmas Eve. It's hard to believe that it's almost here. Uh, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and the Lord be with you too. Sorry, if you're watching online, we're glad that you're joining us as well. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, we like to exchange that greeting because it reminds us that, that God really is present with us. And especially this time of year as we're thinking about Jesus coming and being known as Emmanuel, God with us. You know, it's, uh, it's good to be reminded that God meets us right where we live, right in the, in the ordinariness of life. Uh, we don't have to be doing anything special. You know, we don't have to be... Um, uh, you don't even have to show up at church on a Sunday for God to be present with you. You know, God's going to be present with you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And, and uh, I guess especially at this time of year, as things get dark and sometimes gloomy, sometimes sad, uh, we need that reminder that God is, is with us. So let's, let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin today. God, we are grateful uh, that you meet us here. Uh, whether we are feeling all full of light and, uh, and all the Christmas lights uh, are really catching us right there with the joy and, and, and all of that, uh, or whether we are feeling pretty dark, uh, whether the, the grief and loneliness of the season is getting to us or whatever it might be, God, um, from the highs to the lows to everywhere in between, you are, you are here. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be aware of your presence today that we might connect with you, that we might be honest with you, tell you what we really need, tell you what we're really thinking and feeling, um, that you might hear the cries of our hearts as we lift them up to you. And God, I pray you'd give us ears to hear your reply as you speak to us words of encouragement, words of hope, words of love, words of grace. Uh, God, please meet us here right where we live today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able, interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee holy 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 merciful and mighty god in three persons blessed trinity holy 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 saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, who word and art and evermore shall be holy 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 though the darkness hide thee though the eye of sinful man thy glory may 
there is none beside me perfect in power in love and purity holy 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 lord god almighty all thy work shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea holy 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 merciful and mighty god in three persons blessed trinity of our God and King lift up your voice and with us sing Hallelujah Hallelujah Thou burning sun with golden beam Thou silver moon with softer gleam Oh praise Him Oh praise Him Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou rushing wind that art so strong, ye clouds that sail in heaven along, oh, praise him, Alleluia. Thou rushing morning praise rejoice ye lights of evening find a voice oh praise him oh praise him alleluia 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 all ye men of tender heart Forgiving others, take your part. Oh, sing ye, Alleluia. Bring your pain and sorrow bear. Praise God and on Him cast your care. Oh, praise Him. Oh, praise Him. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Things their Creator bless and worship Him in humbleness. Oh, praise Him, Alleluia! Praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise Him.
creatures. I'd like to read from Revelation uh, chapter 4. I'm not sure St. Francis of Assisi, when he wrote the words of all creatures, uh, had in mind some of these creatures, but maybe he did. This is the throne room of heaven. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Let's join in that praise. slain holy holy is he sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat worthy is the lamb who was slain holy song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to King of kings, you are my everything, and I will adore you. Clothed in rainbows, a living color. Flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Should I sing praise to the King of Kings? You are my everything, and I will adore you. Struck wonder 
at the mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous mystery. Father, we're overwhelmed this morning by your greatness, by your glory, by the image, Lord, of the creatures in heaven who continuously, day and night, night and day, unendingly, eternally singing to you, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God, thank you for our opportunity this morning to participate with the creatures in heaven as we bring you this honor and this praise this morning, as you alone are the only one that deserves to be praised. God, we thank you this morning for that little glimpse into what it will be like as we spend eternity with you, around your throne, worshiping you day and night, night and day. It's an awesome, awesome thing. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for each person here with us in this building, those of us who are with us online, those of us who will join us later. Father, we're not here by accident. We are in your presence at your invitation. And Lord, we are so humbled by the love that that, that, that expresses to us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I thank you for this season as, it's, as we're coming to the, the pinnacle of the Advent season, the celebration of your coming to earth, God with us. As we look to that, Lord, and we, we begin to, to ponder and to understand the, the, the insurmountable greatness of you coming as a baby, helpless and completely reliant on human beings. Yet, Lord, you did so with a plan, with a purpose, so that we could be redeemed and reconciled to you. It's overwhelming this morning as we think about that. And Father, I thank you and I praise you for that fact, for that reality this morning, that we can know you We can truly, truly know you. 
I pray that your spirit would permeate the, the remainder of the service the way it has already this morning. That you would, your presence would be tangible to us in these moments as we continue worshiping you. And as Pastor Rich brings us the word you have for us this morning, Father, we are thankful for it already, anticipating that it's you who is speaking to us. And for all these things, Lord, we give you honor and praise and glory and blessing as we pray them in your name. Amen. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Take a few moments, if you will, and pass the peace amongst yourselves. All right. I'm just going to say a quick word to those who are watching us online. Hello. We're glad you're here. Sorry we can't shake your hand this morning, but uh, we hope that you'll drop us a comment wherever you're watching or uh, reach out to us at livinghope.info slash connect. Let us know you're with us and how we can pray for you or be thanking God with you or whatever. Maybe you've got a question or something like that. Uh, maybe you just want to reach out and say hi. Uh, we would love to know that you're with us today. And uh, uh, yeah, so, and of course, for all of you too, if you have some way that we can be praying for you, uh, we'd love for you to reach out to us as well. Let us know, write it down somehow so that we can not forget. Um, you can use the online thing or you can just grab one of those little green cards back there by the offering box and jot it on there and slip it in the box and we can be praying for you. I know some of you like to keep those requests anonymous. Uh, I always love it when you put your name on it. Uh, we don't like go spreading those around or anything. So if you're worried that, you know, somebody else will know, I don't know. But um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah, drop that in the box, and if you're giving today, you can give, give there as well, or you can give online. That's all good. Um, thank you to those of you uh, who give so faithfully and have been all year long. Um, I just had somebody this last week who said, hey, you mentioned the little budget shortfall that we're facing at the end of the year. We're going to give a little extra for that. And uh, so, yeah, if you have extra uh, that you want to give at the end of the year, that would, that would help us out. Uh, if not, that's okay. Um, we, don't, uh, we don't treat anybody differently based on whether they're, whether they're giving or how much they're giving or anything like that. Uh, we do believe there's, there's joy in giving, of course, and so we encourage you to do that and to support the work uh, that's happening here and around the world. But, uh, but yeah, thank you to all of you who are doing that. Uh, on the back, there's some, uh, some other ways you can give to, uh, to needs in the community. Uh, the Warm a Home tree is still out there. You can grab one of those tags and make a gift and either put it in the mail to First Contact or just drop it in the box and we'll give it to them. Uh, or you can go online to uh, the online giving thing and hit the little Good Neighbor Fund on the drop down. That, that goes right to them. That's uh, all those funds that come in. I was just talking with the director of first contact this last week and uh, he said all the funds from that warm a home tree they pretty much just put them all toward utilities uh, for people to make sure their utilities stay on that people are putting something toward the utilities every month uh, he said nipsco will keep working with a person as long as they're paying something every month but if they just go month without giving without paying anything on their bill that's when they start you know looking at a shutoff but uh, so they make sure that people are are still making payments through the winter uh, so that their utilities aren't getting shut off in the spring and uh, yeah, you can help with that if you'd like to do that. And also you can still give to help uh, build the Habitat House uh, that's happening up in South Haven this year. Uh, every year, Porter County uh, Habitat for Humanity it builds a house and uh, we get to be a part of that. So if you want to donate to the Habitat Fund, that would be fantastic. And if you want to give, uh, I know uh, Sam Fisher was talking to me uh, last week, I think, about... Um, how they take a little holiday break, but then like in January and February, they start building again and it'll all be inside work. And so if you want to help uh, build that house, just let us know and uh, we'll make sure and pass your info along so they can reach out to you when they start building again. 
And then, of course, uh, next week, man, it's hard to believe. It's, uh, today's the 17th, right? So next week's the 24th, Christmas Eve. So next week's going to be a little bit different. We've got uh, the ten, just going to have one 10 o'clock service in the morning. Uh, so all of you 9 o'clock folks get to sleep in a little bit or do whatever you do on Christmas Eve morning or whatever. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to have one combined service at 10 a.m. And, uh, and then 5 o'clock, we're going to have a candlelight service, candlelight Christmas Eve, 5 p.m. And, uh, and I think... Um, I think we might have elementary kids having their own thing next Sunday. In fact, that's the last thing I just heard. Last Sunday, I stood up here and said, yeah, elementary age kids will be with us, but we'll still have nursery. And then this morning, my mom was in here. She's like, well, I want that last Sunday of Advent with the kids, and maybe I'll, I'll just take the kids next Sunday too. So if you've got elementary age kids, it uh, looks like they will have their own room uh, next Sunday during that service. So, All right. Oh, and if you do want to make some uh, Christmas Eve cookies, uh, I'd, love, I'd love to let us know you're planning to bring some, just so we know kind of how many to expect, make sure we've got enough boxes to package them all up uh, that afternoon. Or if maybe you want to help package them up after that morning service, we're going to package up the Christmas cookies that are donated so that after the Christmas Eve service that night, uh, people can take them with them to give to people who, who need some Christmas cheer. So uh, yeah, just let us know if you're planning to make some cookies or how many or that sort of thing. So, all right. Um, so we are continuing our journey through the Bible. We've been on this journey all year long. And uh, i got to say, I'm, I, I enjoy doing this. We kind of put it into our church life, kind of the rhythm of our church's life, that every four years we do something like this. Every four years we kind of take some kind of year-long journey through the Bible. We've read through the whole Bible cover to cover. Uh, we've read through, I think four years ago it was just the New Testament. Uh, we've done things like this year where we take each month, we do a different book of the Bible. So we pick 12 books out of the 66 and, and focus on those. Um, and so... I guess uh, in four more years, uh, we'll be doing it again. Um, but I'm kind of excited uh, for January because we get to do some different things and talk about different stuff. And uh, not, uh, uh, I guess a year is kind of a long time to be in one kind of continuous series. So I'm excited for the, the new adventure of the new year. And uh, I hope you are too. Uh, I hope you're looking forward to what God might have for you in the new year. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I'm looking forward to January 7th, kicking off something new. So, uh, but today, we're continuing our journey through Revelation. And just as a reminder, Revelation, yes, is a weird book of the Bible, uh, but it has a message for us today. Uh, it has words of encouragement and hope and some warning in there as well that we better pay attention to. Um, I think two Sundays ago when we were starting off, we were looking at how just Jesus is revealed in this book. Um, he reveals himself as being present with these churches, these, these seven churches who all receive letters. Uh, that seems to be the point of this. This is being sent to these seven churches there uh, who are small, who are struggling, who are facing persecution. And, uh, and if you read chapters 2 and 3, you see Jesus has a message for each of them that's uniquely tailored to them and what they're going through. And uh, since seven is this number that appears over and over in Revelation, you know, seven is kind of this number of completeness, it's not just a message for those seven churches. It's a message for all churches, all times. And we need to read those letters and read this whole uh, book of Revelation and see, okay, God, what are you saying to us here today? It's not just a message for them back then, although it certainly was that, uh, but there's also a message that we need to hear. And uh, I was, <laughs> uh, well, we'll come back to to a recurring theme that was present in those letters that we're going to see again today. Um, <clears throat> and then we saw last week this throne room vision that John has. Uh, he is, suddenly finds himself in this unbelievable place uh, with God's throne. And, you know, Scott just read some of it. You know, there are these four living creatures with wings and eyes, and it's, it's all unusual. And then there, there are these 24 elders that seem to represent, like, all the people of God that are around the throne and and thousands and thousands of angels, and they're all worshiping. They're all worshiping the one who sits on the throne and the lamb who was slain. 
And um, if you missed last week, um, kind of the point that I was trying to make was that uh, what I think is, is happening here is we're being reminded that, you know what, what, we need to make sure that we're celebrating the right thing, that we're, that we're keeping at the center of our thoughts and the center of our imaginations uh, Jesus as the lamb who was slain, who gave his life uh, for you and for me. Um, sometimes we can think like, oh, Jesus, you know, sure, he came as the, as the sacrificial lamb the first time, but the second time he's coming in looking more like Rambo or something, you know, with the, with the big guns and the, and the, and the firepower, and he's going to just lay waste to all his enemies. And Well, Jesus still in Revelation shows up as the lamb who was slain. And repeatedly, even when he shows up later in the book, riding on a white horse, the sword is the sword from his mouth. It's his word, and the, there's already blood on his robes. It's his own blood from having given his life. Um, Jesus still is the lamb who was slain, who, uh, who rules by, somehow, rules by accepting um, suffering instead of inflicting suffering on others. And then uh, the, the whole point of that throne room vision um, or where, where it takes us to continue the book is the one who sits on the throne has a scroll and it's sealed with seven seals and they can't find anyone worthy to open those, those seals and to, and to open the scroll and to kind of reveal the plan of God until Jesus shows up, the lamb who was slain. So he begins, we're going to look at chapter 6 and chapter 7 and then we're going to kind of dip into some other parts uh, before we get to the fun stuff next week on Christmas Eve. Um, so chapter 6, right after, right on the heels of that throne room vision, he says, I watched as the lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. <clears throat> oh, sorry, I didn't do that well at all. <clears throat> Man, oh, I don't have a very thundering voice this morning. Come. Anyway, I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Come. Just imagine the thunder, sorry. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. And then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages, and six pounds of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine, and plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. I'm going to pause there for just a second, because these are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. I mean, we hear about these guys, right? And uh, <clears throat> they show up in art, in cinema, in all kinds of different ways, these, uh, these four horsemen who are bringing what just seems like all kinds of tragedy, right, to the earth. Uh, the first four of the seven seals um, bring out these, these four horsemen. And I think sometimes we hear this, and, and oh, well, the first one's just like, just sounds to me like what kings of old did, right? They, they rode out with their crowns on their head and their swords, and they're like, yep, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to conquer. That's what they did. They decide, some ruler somewhere decides, I want your property. I want your resources. And it's like a game to them. Right? It's like, it's like they're playing Risk or something, and, uh, or Settlers of Catan or something. I don't know. It's like they're playing a game, and they just say, I want, I want what they have. And they send their troops in, and they conquer, and they take. Um, 
I was, I was reading something you know, it was like a month ago in preparation for this, and they were talking about how in Rome, uh, some writer at the time, when Rome was kind of at its heyday, they were looking around at all the wealth of the nations that poured into Rome, and they were saying, man, there's so much of like, the fruit from that land and, and this you know, spice from that land. It said, their, their trees must just be bare where these are from. They must have to travel to Rome to get their own fruit because we have all of it here. And that's kind of how it worked. You know, the people in charge just rode out to conquer. They're bent on conquest. And uh, who cares what happens to the people who are impacted by that? Uh, we see that happen still today, right? When, when nation goes to war against nation, uh, there are so many innocents that get caught in that crossfire. Uh, the second one there, this fiery red one, well, then there's... There's taking peace from the earth. People are killing each other. A large sword. It's just kind of a continuation. Like the leaders say go, and yep, sure enough, people are, people are after each other. Uh, the third one is this weird thing with the scales, and here's how much wheat's going to cost, and barley, and don't touch the oil and the wine. And that's a weird one, honestly. It sounds like it has to do with, like, the economy, right? I mean, um, which is kind of on a lot of our minds these days, right? Prices keep rising and things like that. And, and that seems to be what they're pointing to. Like, man, it's going to cost a full day's wages just to buy flour, you know, just to buy uh, some basic necessities. But, you know, don't damage the oil and the wine. I've heard some people say, like, you know, the, the basic necessities that everyone needs, including the poor, like those, oof, those, the cost of those is going to skyrocket. But let's make sure the rich still have their luxuries. Let's not, let's not damage their, their stuff. And maybe that's what's happening here. And then the fourth seal and the, the fourth rider on this pale horse, death and Hades or the grave following close behind him. And a fourth of the earth, they're given power to, to kill, whether it's sword, famine, plague, wild beasts, just death uh, riding, riding out. And I know sometimes we read this and we think, oh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And I, I've all usually thought like, yep, that's kind of the end times. Here they come. Things are really starting to get bad now. And, um, but as I was thinking about the people who would first be hearing this, who would be sitting in these churches, these small struggling churches, trying to persevere, trying to hang on. I'm guessing that some of them, as they heard this, thought, yeah, okay, we, we see that rider go by. We see that, that horseman. They're not seeing this as some future thing. Like, when we live in relative peace, for us, it's like, oh, that must be some bad times coming in the future. But the folks who were living this, who were, who were hearing this, that, they were living it right then. And they might, have, they might have been hearing this and thinking, oh, okay, so God's not surprised when nations go to war, when people kill each other, when, when the economy goes haywire, when, when death is a normal part of our everyday existence. God's not surprised by that. This is part of God's plan. God's still in charge. He's, he's still with us through this. This might have been, instead of words of warning, this might have been words of comfort for them to, to say, God knows what you're going through. And yes, those four horsemen ride through your life, but this is just the first four of the seven seals, and, and God's still got a plan that he's going to play out. So don't worry. Don't despair. Don't give up. I mean, for a whole lot of folks uh, who've lived throughout human history, life has been, what's, what's the phrase? Nasty, brutish, and short? Is that the phrase? I can't remember who, who, who that comes from. Um, where people are just living constantly with, struggle and still today you know that's one of the things i appreciate about our partnership with world vision we'll do their 6k for water again next may uh is they remind us because they're in the field in all these places where people don't have clean water where people you know live with barely anything and uh so much of the world still lives on like what is it two dollars a day and struggles just to get the basics 
uh, of life to, to keep food on the table. Um, and it's not just over there, right? It's, it's here in our community as well. For some of you, you, you might hear this and think, yep, I see those horsemen ride by all the time. Um, people in charge, not thinking about how their decisions impact the, the people under them, seeing violence just as a normal part of life, and the economy seems like it's against you and for someone else, and seeing death as an ever-present reality. Uh, this, this is what some folks live with. And so there's a part of me that thinks, okay, this, is, this might still just be describing their present, not some future where it's going to get worse. This might just be them saying, look, God sees and God knows. But they're not done. That's just four seals, right? So the fifth, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they'd maintained. They called out in a loud voice, how long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood. Kind of sound like the Psalms. Uh, some of those Psalms that are like, how long, Lord? How long will the wicked prosper? How long will they get away with what they're getting away with? And this seems to be what their cry is as well. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. That's not exactly encouraging. Uh, I mean... It's, so the fifth seal has been opened, and uh, you know, the scroll of God's plan is, is kind of playing out. And here are the souls of those who've been slain because of the word of God, because of their testimony, because of their, their faithfulness. Um, that's what, again, this word testimony, the, to testify, it's the same word as, as martyr. You know, they had given their lives because they'd stayed true to Jesus. They hadn't turned their back on Jesus. They hadn't just gone uh, with society. They had, they had stayed true to Jesus, and they had given their lives for it. I know uh, sometimes we think, you know, oh, Roman Colosseum and lions and Christians being thrown to the lions. And, and there were some pretty gruesome things done to Christians in, uh, in certain parts of Roman history. Uh, but some of these might have been just more ordinary sacrifices, things that happened that, that never made the, the newspaper, things that never made, uh, <clears throat> you know, they didn't, they didn't go viral. They, didn't, they were never trending. Just the ordinary everyday suffering that people went through because they were staying true to Jesus and they're saying, that, but they're present there. He's seeing they're, they're under the altar, which is a weird place to be, but they're, they're right there present with God. And maybe under the altar, you know, the altar was the place where they, when they would go to the temple, that's where they would sacrifice the animals, right? Kind of out in front of the, the big temple building. You're in the temple courts and you're right in front and there's this altar and the animal would be, would be slain. And it almost kind of makes me wonder if they're under the altar because their lives, their faithfulness, their sacrifice was being seen as an actual sacrifice like you gave your life for God and he has accepted this sacrifice that you've made what was it in uh, Romans 12 wasn't it that we looked at earlier this year it says uh, you know don't just be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed you know live your live your life as a as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your spiritual act of worship They've, they've done this, and they've actually given their lives. And it's not been wasted. It's not been overlooked. God sees and God hears their cry, and God responds to their cry and says, not yet. So for folks going through this, maybe they've seen family members die. Maybe they are threatened with death themselves, and they're receiving this word from God to them, and they're hearing, okay, not yet. God's still got some work to do, and yes, there's still going to be suffering ahead for us. There's still more of us who will be killed, 
Um, but again, this isn't the end. You know, death isn't going to have the final say. You know, these, he's told, are given a white robe and told to wait. I, I watch as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars in the sky fell to earth as figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The heavens receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. This is cataclysmic language, right? The earth is being shaken. <laughs> the islands are just being shifted off. The mountains uh, crumbling. Uh, the stars falling to the sky. It's uh, <laughs> All of a sudden, I can't help but think of the old... Uh, the, Anybody see Ghostbusters? That's a long time ago. Uh, Bill Murray just had that great line talking about, you know, cats and dogs. Anyway, it's cataclysmic. This is day of the Lord imagery uh, that's been used by other prophets uh, previously. Uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, others have used similar imagery of the the sun being darkened, of the moon turning blood red, of, uh, of all kinds of cataclysmic things happening the interesting thing is, like, uh, even though all the stars fall from the sky, right here, we're told, you know, the stars fall from the sky. Then later, we're told, like, and a third of the stars were brought down. Like, hey, man, all, the, all the stars fell from the sky. And then there's another star that falls, like, but, but all the stars fell already. And so that we're reminded as you continue through the book, like, okay, hang on a second. This, maybe this isn't being, like, a, a literal picture of what physically is going to happen. I mean, we know now, anyway, that stars are, like, giant balls of fire, you know, millions of light years away or whatever, like, are they going to come crashing to the earth? That, how, would that, how would that work? Um, but it's a picture of the earth being shaken. And when Isaiah, when Ezekiel, when these other prophets used it, they were, they were talking about judgment being brought on a, on a city, on an enemy of Israel, or sometimes even aimed at Israel, when Israel had been unfaithful. And they're saying, look out, the day of the Lord's judgment's coming, and when it does, it's going to be rough. And, and they talk about armies coming in like locusts, and they... they I think they talk about like, almost like you can picture like the armies are marching in and the dust from the, from the hooves and from the, uh, the feet of the soldiers like rising up and blocking out the sun. Um, this might be some of what they're, what they're going for here. It's, it's cataclysmic language talking about the day when God will judge. And in the past, the prophets had talked about like another army coming in, like the Persians coming in to defeat the Babylonians. Uh, or sometimes Babylon was the one coming in to defeat someone else. Um, God's judgment taking place here and now. And the sixth seal is like language of judgment taking place. And then it says, uh, Then the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, and everyone else, both slave and free, hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. Which always sounded weird to me. Like, why would you go hide in caves? Because we're not surrounded by caves here, right? Um, But the people of Israel, like, that was true in their story. Like, earlier in their story, when they were... Oh, there was a time when they were losing about the Philistines were coming after him. This is the time of King Saul before David was king. And uh, it says when Israel saw that they were, they were losing, they went and they hid in the caves because they were surrounded by caves. You know, like that was the place you'd hide. Um, and so that's what's happening here. People are hiding in caves among the rocks of the mountains. They call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can withstand it? It's like they realize, oh no, judgment's coming and I'm on the wrong side of it. (laughs) And uh, this idea of God's wrath, or even the wrath of the Lamb, like how does that work? This idea of God's wrath that uh, throughout the scriptures, um, I think think would be wrong to hear that and think of like 
you know, your dad getting so angry that you didn't listen that he's mad and he's taking off his belt and he's going to whoop you. All right, I don't, I don't think this is like God getting angry and finally just going to lash out. Um, this language of wrath of God um, <clears throat> in all the different ways it's used in the scriptures, um, a lot of times it seems to be like this is just God saying, okay, you're, you're going to get the consequences for your actions, I guess. I'm going to quit protecting you from yeah, I've been I've been protecting you all this time. You've been doing dumb stuff that would have gotten you killed, and I've been protecting you. I'm just okay, fine. If that's what you want, that's what you get. You know, like Jesus said, those who live by the sword die by the sword, kind of a thing. Um, it, it is a it's language of judgment of the consequences finally coming for your actions, and uh, and they're scared. They realize it's coming, but you know what they don't do? They don't repent. They, they don't. They don't apologize. They don't, they don't say to God, we're sorry. We shouldn't have done this. It's almost like they're recognizing it's too late. The, the great day of the wrath has come, and who can withstand it? <clears throat> now, these are, these are six of those seals. The seventh one uh, comes later, and it just says, like, and when the seventh seal was open, there was silence in heaven for half an hour. Um, but that, that comes later. That comes, like, chapter 8 or something. Um, and leads right into then the, the trumpets. There are seven seals, and then there are seven trumpets, and later in the book there are seven last plagues that are described as being like in bowls of God's wrath that's being poured out. That's not, you don't get that until chapters 15 and 16. But there are these cycles of seven, and um, I can't remember if I mentioned it this last week or if this was Wednesday night's conversation. I just I, I came across another video I almost thought about showing you this morning, but I thought, ah, we're running out of time, and it's Revelation in six minutes, and I thought, I'd, We've already kind of covered most of it. Um, I'll try to post it later on Facebook for those of you who are Facebook friends, and you can, you can watch it if you want. But, um, <clears throat> but they talked about these, these seven uh, trumpets and seven, uh, seven seals and seven trumpets and seven bowls. Like, maybe these aren't, like, consecutive things. Maybe this is more, like, different angles. And uh, the video actually did a cool thing. They talked about, like, a sports game, you know, like these days when you're watching professional sports or even college sports. You know, they got lots of camera angles, Right. And so you see it from this angle, and then they show it again from that angle, and they show it again from the other angle, and then they show the crowd and the response, and it's like, maybe that's kind of what's going on here. They're, they're kind of showing us God's judgment from many different angles. Uh, maybe that makes a little bit of sense then of why at the end, near the end of each of these sevens, there's like day of the Lord imagery of cataclysmic things happening in nature that don't really add up if you try to make it happen, like these happen first, and then these happen, and then these happen. It's like, like I said earlier, it's like, well, there aren't any stars left, so how are a third of the stars now falling? Or how are, you know, how are these things happening? Like the islands and the mountains like, are wiped out again later, after they've just been swept away now. So it kind of makes sense to me. They're like, okay, this is different angles on God's judgment, coming at a different aspect and giving us a different picture. But they're all pictures of God showing up to finally bring consequences and and man, if you read chapters 8 and 9 of the trumpets, at the end of these trumpets and the judgments that come, it talks about people wanting to die, but they can't. And it says at the end, uh, chapter 9, verse 20, sorry, I didn't get it on the screens or in here. It says that the people still didn't repent. Even after all of this cataclysm, after all of these consequences, they still did not, those who survived still didn't repent of their wicked ways. And it names some of the things that they're doing. And then when you get to those last plagues and the bowls of God's wrath in chapters 15 and 16, it starts to say that the people are cursing God. Like there's, there's this one where they're like scorched by the sun and they curse God because of the heat, but they still refuse to repent. And then there's something else and then there's something else. And every, like for the last few bowls, it mentions that like they, they cursed God because of it, but they didn't repent. 
I was like, it kind of reminds you of, uh, of Pharaoh in Egypt, which is probably some of the imagery he's drawing from, especially calling these the last plagues when you get to the bowls of God's wrath, where Pharaoh hardened his heart. And, and I know sometimes it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. I think half the times it says God did it, half the times it says Pharaoh did it. Um, where people just harden their hearts and refuse to repent in spite of circumstances. And I, I think this might be some of the warning part of Revelation for us. All right? Saying, look, there is going to come a time where God judges, where God finally you know, listens to the cries of those souls under the altar and says, look, justice is coming. You know, your blood will be avenged. One day those who do evil and who oppress others and who damage others will themselves find the consequences coming back to them. Um, oh, there's a line later in Revelation that talks about destroying those who destroy the earth uh, as part of God's judgment. And, uh, and that day is coming. And I mean, there are some times where we find ourselves the circumstances of life and we think, why is this happening to me, right? And, and maybe... Those circumstances should be causing us to think, ah, God, I need to repent, don't I? I need to, I need to make a change. Um, I don't know that God sends bad stuff our way to, to do that necessarily, but I've heard some of you share stories that that's what it took for you, right? That something happened and you finally kind of came to your senses, kind of like that story of the prodigal son that Jesus tells, right? Where he goes and he wastes everything and he's got nothing left and his friends all desert him and he's, all he's got left is this job feeding pigs, but he's not even allowed to eat the slop. He's given the pigs and he's starving to death and he comes to his senses, it says, and realizes, man, things are so much better back in my father's house. I've got to go and apologize and see if he'll take me back and at least let me work for him. I think part of the reason that Revelation is given, and, and this is where I mentioned earlier, like there's a, a theme that happens in those seven letters to the seven churches. Over and over again, Jesus calls them to repent. He says, look, you're sliding off track. You need to repent. You need to get back to the love you had at first. You need to repent of accepting these teachings that are wrong or these behaviors that are wrong. You need to repent. You need to have a change of heart and mind. You need to come back to me. I think this is part of the warning part of Revelation. Now, I don't know, honestly, how it's all going to play out, frankly. I should have said this earlier. If you totally disagree with me on my take of, like, some of these are maybe just their current reality or, or some of this, like, is maybe different angles and not a sequence of things that you could put on a plot out on a, on a timeline, uh, we can think differently about that, okay? Uh, Christians have thought differently about it and still do. But I think part of the point is to say, look, judgment is coming. <laughs> In whatever form or whatever timing that takes, judgment is coming. So let's be living, like, ready now for whenever Christ does return. So that, we, so that when that day comes, we are seen safely through it so that we don't fall in the day of judgment. They said, what was it? They said, the great day of their wrath has come, and who can withstand it? Well, the very next line, for us, it's start of chapter 7. He says, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or any tree. So it's like things just get eerily still. Then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea. Do not harm the land or the sea or the trees until we put a seal on the foreheads of the servants of our God. And then I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 from all the tribes of Israel. And I didn't have room to put it in your notes, but in, in the Bible it just says like 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from this tribe. And it just goes through all the 12 tribes of Israel. So 12,000 from every tribe, 144,000. It seems to he's saying like, yep, we've counted everybody's present. Everybody's here. We're not missing anyone. 
Uh, kind of reminds you of the military censuses that they did where they counted the people in the Old Testament. Uh, and they're like, yep, we've got everybody from every tribe. Here they are. They are sealed. They're, they're marked as belonging to God. They're that seal of like protection. And, and later on, we see that happen. There are some of the things that happen. I can't remember enough. The trumpets or the bowls, and it like, affects everybody except those sealed uh, who are protected, who are marked as belonging to God. So he hears that there are 12,000 from each tribe. Hears there are 144,000 sealed by God. And he says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. It reminds me of that moment last week in chapters 4 and 5 where he hears the Lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the scroll, and he looks and sees a Lamb who's been slain. It's not like one was wrong and the other one's right. It's that these are two images that, that are both true, that have to be held in intention, perhaps. You know, all of God's people are present. And then we're realizing it's not just his people from the tribes of Israel, it's people from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, which we've just heard mentioned earlier, right? The, the people who had died were given white robes and told to wait just a little longer. Now here's an uncountable multitude wearing white robes, holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength. Seven things. Anyway, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? And I answered, sir, you know. It's a funny little thing there. I have the feeling they inserted that just so that when the people are hearing it read, and they're wondering, like, so who are these people? That gives them a chance to explain or something. Anyway, and he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so these white robes aren't representing their own righteousness, their own purity. So their robes have been washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus died for them. And they have received that forgiveness. They have been washed clean. These are those who have, we could say, these are those who have repented of their sin, who have turned to God for forgiveness. And therefore, he says, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And then he quotes from Isaiah 49, Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So who can stand in the day of wrath and the day of judgment? These people who refuse to repent don't. They don't stand. They, they get what's coming to them. The people who stand in the day of judgment are those who have turned to God, who have allowed him to wash them clean, to forgive their sins. They are the ones who make it through this time of great suffering and are protected by God forever and ever. It doesn't sound like they get rescued before the trouble comes. It sounds like they, they go through the tribulation. Maybe they've even given their lives like the others under the altar did. Maybe this is that same group. But these are folks who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, who have been faithful to follow the Lamb because they, out of gratitude for what the Lamb has done for them, so they get to enjoy God's presence, God's protection, 
They had God providing for them, leading them to springs of living water. No more tears. It's a beautiful picture of the future that is uh, in store for every last one of us who put our trust in Jesus. Now, the rest of the book, it gets pretty weird. And next week, uh, we'll look at the dragon that, that ought to be in every one of our nativity scenes, I think, uh, from Revelation 12. We'll look at that on Christmas Eve. Um, <clears throat> but today, I have to pick a title each week. Um, and that's why at the top I put Sealed and Delivered. You know, I was thinking of that sign, Sealed, Delivered. You know, song. Anyway, these are those who have been sealed. We, if you put your trust in Christ, you have been sealed. You've been marked as belonging to him. You know, later, there's that challenge, people are being marked as belonging to the, the beastly rulers of this earth. I'm like, no, 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 we're, we belong to the Lamb. We belong to, to Jesus. And we're delivered safely through, through the great tribulation. I say, I say safely. Safely might not be the right word. We are delivered through it. Perhaps following in the way of Jesus, who suffered and died for us. It's like some of us may suffer for others. Following in the way of Jesus. But this, if we do, this is the future that he has for us. It might be tough for some of us to, to connect with this because we're, we're not suffering right now. Things are good. Things are great. And uh, we're like, oh, yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I'm doing well. But some of you, you can, you can relate pretty directly, perhaps, to what some of these folks are going through. And maybe you're the ones that need to hear this morning that God has you, that you belong to him, that he's not going to let you go. He's not going to drop you, forget about you. He's going to see you safely through. He has sealed you. You belong to him. It is a good thing to be loved by God, to be loved by the lamb, to be loved by the one who, who yes, one day will be the judge. And so today we need to make sure that we are, we are repenting, that we're, that we're uh, in good standing with him. Not because we've done anything to deserve it, but because of what God has done for us. Let's bow our heads and pray before we celebrate communion together. God, we are so incredibly grateful that you looked at us stuck in our sin and mess and all of it. And out of love for us, you, you sent your son Jesus to give his life to set us free. Thank you, God. Thank you that you give us white robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's not our own righteousness, our own perfect performance that, that earns us a seat at your table or that, or that you know, gives us the, the, the out when it comes to, to judgment day. You don't weigh us and, and see if we did more good stuff than bad stuff. And if we did one more good thing than bad, then, oh, come on in. Instead, God, you, you just forgive us. Whatever we have done, whatever our sin whatever stains we have placed on our lives and the lives of others, God, you wash us clean with the blood of the Lamb. You make us beautiful. You change us from the inside out so that we can live in this world as a, as a beautiful picture of what a human being can be. Thank you, God, for your grace, for your presence, for your love. Thank you for these words of hope for all who endure suffering uh, that that suffering is not the end, that you are not surprised by it, that in fact, God, you are bringing us through it. And the, and the final say belongs to you, not to those who might have power over us, not to those who might have abused us or taken advantage or wrecked an economy or whatever kinds of things go on, God. 
The one who gets the final say is you, the God who loves us, loves us enough to warn us ahead of time so that we can make things right with you, so that we can accept your gift of forgiveness and grace. Help us to do that today, God. If we find ourselves today thinking like, ooh, I don't want to stand in front of God's judgment seat. Uh, I'd, I'd be trying to hide too. God, we've been doing that since the beginning, since Adam and Eve, and it does not work. So God, help us. Help us instead to take the route of trusting you, trusting in your love, trusting in your grace, that you can, in fact, forgive us and change us and set us free. Thank you, God. That, as the scriptures say, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we call on you today. And we thank you uh, that we get to enact this amazing grace by the sacrament of Holy Communion. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Thank you, God. Thank you for the amazing love that you displayed in him. God, we offer you ourselves, imperfect though we are. We confess to you our failures to love you with all that we are, our failure to love our neighbor as ourselves. We confess to you, God, that we need your forgiveness, your mercy, your grace. And we thank you that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. When we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wash our robes white today, we pray. Help us to experience your forgiveness and grace. Fill us with the spirit of Christ that we might live in this world as, as your kids, as your sons and daughters, as the body of Christ, your hands, your feet, taking your, your grace, your care, your compassion to those we are surrounded by, to those you send us to. Thank you, God. We pray all this confident in your love because of Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Scott's going to come and lead us in one last song as we celebrate communion together. I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. As we sing, you're invited to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it and return to your seats. Uh, it's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Um, we've got the regular pita bread and we've got the little gluten-free round wafers or, or we've got the little cups and we've got those at the tables too if you uh, can't make your way forward. Uh, that's fine. Um, the important thing is that we're saying yes to Jesus today. And the important thing is we're saying to him, okay, God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the love you've shown us in Jesus. We celebrate that today. Let's do it. Let's celebrate.
You have shown us, oh God, what is good. You have shown us, oh Lord, what you require. You have heard all our songs, how we long to worship you. Yet you've told us the offering you desire to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you, God. You have shown us the riches of your love. You have shown us your heart for those in need. You're opening our ears to the cries of the poor. You have called us to be your hands and feet. And to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you, God. You said to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you, God. To the oppressed and the broken, to the widow and the orphan, let the river of your justice flow through us. To the oppressed and the broken, to the widow and the orphan, let the river of your justice flow through us. Let your river flow, let your river flow. Let your river flow through us. You said to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you, God. You said to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly. Thank you, God. Thank you for filling us with the Spirit of Christ so that we can walk humbly with you. As we leave this place, we go as people sent by you into a future where, I don't know, we can't, we can't plot out how all of it's going to go. But we know we're going to keep our eyes on you, Jesus, and that you're going to lead us faithfully and well into the future, into this holiday, into the new year. We are going to put our trust in you. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.